Hello and welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshah.net. This is episode 13. If I were the Minister for Education, I would simplify the pay scale. Getting paid as a teacher is a fairly complicated affair. There's up to 27 points on the pay scale and you start off on a different point of the pay scale depending on different factors. Now to complicate things further, if you qualified after 2011, you're on a different pay scale which is less than the ones who worked before 2011 and after that you get extra pay if you have particular qualifications such as a master's degree unless of course you qualified after 2011 and then you get nothing but if you have a promoted post you also get another allowance and then there's a weird random allowance and we'll go through them a little bit later. Now my idea would be to simplify the pay scale and the most obvious first step is to ensure there isn't two separate pay scales depending on one when one depending on when one qualifies. Uh, that's the obvious one of course. Now this isn't very obvious um, you know about uh, having a two-tier pay system you know isn't 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 simple and this isn't very obvious to the very organization who are supposed to be looking after this very area in fact i would suggest they've been complicit in continuing this strange two-tier pay system for the last number of years and even encouraging their members to keep it going yes i'm talking about the into um the union that represents primary school teachers and recently the INTO celebrated making a pathway for pay equality at the 2019 Congress which is where I'm going to begin and end this section of my story. However the INTO also inadvertently created the pathway that caused pay equality in the first place. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, cast your mind back to 2011 um, and the Haddington Road Agreement where the INTO did everything in their power to get teachers to get their members to accept the deal. I remember um, when the ballot came about um, I remember very clearly the INTO hosting information sessions about why we should vote in favour of the Haddington Road Agreement and why it was the least worst deal for primary school teachers. I remember the several meetings um, in uh, local hotels where CEC reps explained why we should accept the deal and the level of anger that was uh, going on, uh, on uh, uh, about this deal. Social media wasn't particularly in its infancy at the time. I mean, sure, it was, it was, uh, it was I mean, fairly live, um, but I mean, obviously not as big as it is these days um, in terms of its influence. But uh, again, a lot of people advising people, uh, advising their colleagues not to vote in favour. But I remember um, at the ballot um, boxes, every ballot box, there was a talk going on hosted by someone in the INTO as to why the person coming in to vote should vote in favour of the deal. Um, it happened in some places in the same room as the ballot box. Now, Rightly or wrongly, well, I mean, it's all uh, wrongly. I mean, I remember having uh, having having a very big problem about this um, at the time, and um, and and complaining uh, to as high as I possibly could go at the time about the, the this this thing. Um, that aside, um, the the vote passed and passed quite well, and we did accept the deal. And I'm just wondering. I mean, after that, pay equality happened. 
that people who qualified after 2011 were on a different lower pay scale than people that qualified beforehand. Now surely the INTO must have known that pay equality would have been a consequence of accepting the deal. And at my most generous, one would have to ascertain that they were very naive if they didn't. I mean, however, the fact is, when it happened, I didn't sense any outrage um, from the higher echelons of, uh, of, uh, of the INTO. And I understand as well, I'm not, again, I'm not naive. To, I understand we were in the middle of a recession. But I've seen absolutely no expression of dismay for the inequality of the pay scale for the post-2011 teachers. I've searched and searched and searched and didn't see any speeches outside of Congress where it was demanded, this, this was, this was um, lambasted, and I didn't see any effort in the years following up uh, there to reverse this decision. And it really wasn't until a group of teachers who coined the now universally accepted acronym of LPTs, the lower paid teachers, who got together to put pressure on the union to achieve pay equality. Now what should have been the last straw was, fast forward now to 2019, was the last PSA deal where the INTO seemed to think they had pay equality at that time when they when they put it to the vote. And when it came to the vote on its acceptance, the INTO did everything, everything in its power to recommend that we accept it. And this is despite a rule from the previous Congress that they would not recommend a deal that did not result in pay equality. It was a shocking act for me. And I, I've said this uh, um, quite openly that this was a shocking act of dishonesty when they littered social media with their hashtag INTO explains uh, was a hashtag where they invented questions and gave replies which strongly suggested voting against the deal uh, being a bad idea and they got exactly what they deserved 53% of teachers voted against the PSSA deal uh, this should have um, instigated um, a further ballot on members uh, for industrial action and months later members are still waiting on a ballot uh, on industrial action because um because pay equality still hasn't happened and it appears to me i i don't know i can't think of any reason how um this ballot hasn't happened it, it appears to me to be a blatant act of arrogance not to give members the right to vote for this and personally i don't think it actually would pass um but the INTO obviously are fearful that it would given the shock they must have had when we didn't um overall take their non-recommendation or a recommendation and i'm not even going to call it a non-recommendation it was it, it would be giving it too much uh, credence um otherwise they put it out there um instead just before the congress they went to the negotiating table again and uh i think with a view uh to i suppose announcing pay equality i think they thought they might get pay equality given that some other uh, unions have negotiated uh, some sort of um uh, a similar uh, system and uh, Sheila Noonan stood up um, at Congress to make her big announcement and I have to say I before she gave the announcement I said this is it uh, we're about to get pay equality and I really thought she was going to say it uh, it had been achieved and it made sense uh, to me Sheila Noonan's about to retire and then there's the European elections where she's a candidate it really um, would have been a feather in her cap uh, to leave uh, the INTO uh, with pay equality achieved and it certainly would have been a good platform for her European election but what she said was they'd made a pathway to pay equality and here we are in mid-2019 with still with a two-tier pay system and a two-tier pay scale 
So before I go on, we need to get rid of that as quickly as possible. I, I know it's a sm- slight digression, but I think it's an important thing to uh, introduce this podcast with this episode that we can't have a simplified pay scale system if we have two different um, two different systems. Um, so we need to really stop that as soon as possible. And I do believe it's going to happen, uh, but I'm not really sure when it is. And I actually don't think it's going to have anything to do with the union. Um, my um, My thoughts are that it's going to happen when other public sector unions fight for the same thing and then get it and then we'll get it then or the other side of it is this is going to be the new norm and in about 32 years time because everyone on the pre-2011 scale will have retired everyone will then be on the same pay scale the lower pay scale so either it's going to happen around 2020 2021 or around 2050 2051 uh, when we all retire Anyway, the rest of this episode is going to simply ask a bunch of questions rather than try and answer them, if that makes, uh, if you can bear with me uh, for this uh, episode on uh, pay scales. Um, Where I do have an opinion, I'll definitely give it, but where I don't, I guess I'll leave the question open. I'm also going to try and make some comparisons with other jobs we generally get lumped into, so that's the guardian and the nurses, uh, where that's appropriate. And and, uh, actually, it doesn't it doesn't come up too often, to be honest with you, um, because I don't think it's helpful a lot of the time. I I might throw in the odd thing uh, about other jobs like bus drivers or doctors or clerical workers. But in general, I'm just going to stick to the ones that the media are pretty much obsessed by. And also, actually, to be honest, I'm going to try and stick as much as I possibly can to our own pay scale, uh, the teacher, primary teacher's pay scale. Uh, But speaking of the media um while i was doing my research i actually looked into the media portrayal of pay uh, of teachers nurses and guardie and we we as teachers when we when we listen to the media we probably just listen very much to how the media portray teachers and uh, it's never very complimentary but you might be glad to hear that teachers aren't the only ones being bashed for their cushy pay packets it seems there is a battle between unions that make claims of what wages are and the figures the media produce um and the truth is probably somewhere in between uh anyway Let's go first with the number of points on our pay scale for primary school teachers, which is now 27 of them over a 40 to 45 year career. Now, I think it's way too many and I don't really understand why it's 27 points in the pay scale and why it stops at 27 or why there needs to be so many stops before it gets to 27. And comparing this to other jobs, as far as I can see, the most a nurse has is 12 points on their pay scale and for Guardi, it seems to be 10 maximum. However, I looked more deeply at the teacher context because salary doesn't actually change on every point of the pay scale so it could be argued that we've only got 19 points which is still a hell of a lot more for simply surviving in the job over a 27 year period so i kind of wonder the first question i sort of would ask is would it be better to just average out our salary over our career and simply have a standard wage for being a teacher is there actually any merit in incentivizing teachers to stay in the job in order to earn more money every year and there's a couple of questions that I, uh, that, I that, that, that I have, I guess. Is the increase in line with an average person's life changes, for example, having kids, you need more money is needed. Is that why we get increases? Is that the government's responsibility, um, if that is the case? Um, and looking at this idea, I mean, the average wage over a 40-year career would be just over €58,000 a year. So if you work for 40 years, you average out your salary, we get just over 58000 a year. Now, comparing that to Google, to let's say, uh, we'll go to the private sector here, to compare this to Google's software engineer salary, um, it, it, that starts off at €51,000, which is less. Now, of course, the average salary over time for Google is far more than a teacher. But anyway, it's just interesting to note this, because most people think 
about their starting salary. So if you knew your starting salary is 58,000 euro a year and it never changed and maybe you, uh, you looked at Google's and it was 51,000 euro, but it went up, what would you kind of be more likely to go for as a young 20 year old? I, it, I, I don't know. Um, but teaching in Ireland anyway, if you are to start in teaching, it's roughly 36,000 euro starting off. And it's worth noting, we don't have overtime or bonuses in our jobs. So the average salary is as good as it gets basically for us. We don't get more than the average. Uh, uh, we don't we don't earn any more by working harder, longer or anything else. So just keep these things in mind. Look, we'll, that's um, your, your general wage and a couple of questions I have on it. Should we average it out over time? Should we reduce the number of pay scales and all that kind of stuff? We'll move on to some of the allowances because we do get a few allowances. Now, Irish teachers don't get many allowances. There's no overtime. There's no unsociable hours and so on and so forth. However, we do get some allowances. Um, so we're going to go through go through them. It's not a very long list and ponder on some of them. Now, if you teach through Irish, there's a teaching through Irish allowance if you taught before 2011. This doesn't apply to post 2011. So again, we're on to the two tier pay scale. And that's worth just over uh, just under 1,600 euro, uh, 1, euro. Now, I'm just asking, is, should one get extra money for teaching through Irish? It's just a question. Does, do you think an extra 1,600 euro would incentivize people to work in Gwaelskull? And would you work in a Gwaelskull if it meant an extra 20 euro a week in your pocket is it even enough to incentivize someone to do that it's just they're the kind of questions i'd ask uh there now personally i don't think it's worth enough to be an incentive and if you qualified after 2011 you don't get it anyway so i'd be suggesting that that in, that allowance might be scrapped i generally and uh, i i don't think any i don't think too many people will complain about it um i don't know but then there's the next allowance it's worth 3,000 euro and 63, uh, 3,063 uh, 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 euro. And it's a tucked allowance. So so if I work in a tucked, I get an extra three grand. Now I find this really hard to swallow, to be honest, especially when there's no allowance for teaching, let's say in Dublin, where the cost of living is so much higher. Um, again, this has been scrapped for people who've worked uh, post 2011 teachers, but is it fair to reward teachers for working in the Gweltacht? Is it so bad that it has to be incentivized so much? I mean, 3,000 euro is, is a decent chunk of money uh, per, per annum. And I suppose if we are to have a look at this, should there be a Dublin allowance? And should this exist? Should the Gweltacht allowance really exist if we don't have things like a Dublin allowance or possibly in the future, uh, a different city allowance? Moving on to other allowances, there's an uh, island allowance so you get an allowance for working in a well talked of three thousand euro but if you work on an island i would imagine because you know it takes more effort to get there which would be more but no it's uh, over a thousand euro less 1842 euro weirdly despite being much more difficult to get to the island allowance i that is working on an island gets you less money than working in a well talked um again uh, post 2011 teachers don't get it and again it's such a small amount of money would it even incentivize someone to get a job there would it even cover the expense of getting there every day and again i don't really see the need for this anymore and um, perhaps there's an argument for some sort of travel subsidy but then how is that fair to people if they have long commutes for other reasons Um, you know a lot of people have to do that uh without choice Um, so um another uh, allowance there for teachers uh, next allowance here is a long service allowance. That's for teachers who have been on the top point of the scale, the 27th point of the, for 10, 10 years. So if you last 37 years in teaching, you, do, you get another couple of thousand euro on top of your wage. Now, I don't know why they don't just add more points on the pay scale to show the salary 
all the way through one's career. I mean, stopping at 27 makes very little sense. I mean, having an allowance even less so, it, it kind of makes it, you know, it makes it not part of the core salary, which is kind of interesting, which should be if, um, you know, if that's staying there. So it doesn't make sense to stay on the same wage after 27 years forever, or should we increase the pay scale to include all 45 potential points in one's career? You, you know, the maximum you're allowed to work these days is 45 years. So should we increase it to from 27 points to 40, uh, 45 points and add in that 2,324 euro after the 37th year? I don't know. There's another allowance uh, next, which is secure unit allowance or disturbed adolescence allowance. And this allowance is worth around 35 euro a week, 2,195 euro. So roughly 20 euro after tax. It's less than actually working in a Gweltoct, which suggests to me that it must be more harrowing to work in the Gweltoct than it is in a disturbed adolescence centre. I find the numbers completely arbitrary, uh, to be honest. Uh, and to be honest, really, I don't begrudge anyone working in any specialised setting getting an extra allowance. Um, I think, it, if nothing else, we should use this as an example and we should extend this allowance to other specialised settings such as um, ASD classes, uh, EBD classes and so on. Um, there is another allowance called the visiting teacher allowance and this is a very very large allowance of eight and a half thousand euro and a bit of an outlier to be honest. I, I really ask why it's any different to the other types of secondments that are out, uh, that are out there. How is this different from working for the SESS for example or the PDST or the NCF, uh, NCCA or, or any other, other agency? And why is it this figure 8,520 and why is it the only seconded position in this list? Look, there's other payments made to teachers uh, depending on their qualification, but these depend on when they qualified. And again, it's very hard to simplify this when there's two pay scales, but one really can complain about paying people more depending on their qualification. So if you've done further education, you've done a master's, a PhD and so on, you do get some extra allowances. I, I, I don't think that's fair enough. And the ones that kind of exist, uh, that still exist now, now are getting, uh, one is a HDIP in education, gets you 591 a higher frebel search gets you 591 euro a higher diploma in education a uh, first or second class honors gets you 1236 the ortastisch giga gets you another 1236 then they've gotten rid of the of the allowance for having a past degree a master's degree or a primary degree i suppose that, that's apparently incorporated into the into the pay scale a master's degree gets you another 578 euro if you've got a first or second class honors a doctorate gets you 1222 euro and a special education diplomas gets you 2437 euro so this so it's kind of hardly worth getting a doctorate as opposed to a special education uh, diploma but again this depends on what one is trying to incentivize getting the ortastisch guelga is also worth more than a doctorate which i find kind of odd and i wonder how they come up with these figures like how is it worth 14 euro a year more than a doctorate i i, I just love to be in the room when these decisions were made. I kind of wonder, is there any merit in linking certain courses with certain payments? Now I'm not, now I'm walking on dodgy territory before I even start here, but, but should we be incentivized to do further study to get more money? And for example, if somebody did a diploma equivalent in some accredited area such as Ashter, would it be fair to offer an increase in their salary for this? This is probably leading us into a, an area, Kusan, an initiative from the Teaching Council, which has been threatening for a number of years. So look, we might have to watch the space. I may not, I don't think I'll go into it this week. I just want to focus on simplifying the pay scales this time. And um, I don't think I'd probably, I have to say now, I don't think I'd probably scrap allowances for um, extra qualifications because I suppose they're um, 
they need to be incentivized in the world of education if we're educators and um, posts of responsibilities are the next thing i'm going to focus on because they are also part of our pay scale and they're back after the recession and the allowances haven't really changed there's still 3769 for a b post now called ap2 uh, or assistant principal 2 and 8520 euro for an assistant principal or ap1 and um, these are these are fixed allowances and uh, no matter how big or small a school is and it doesn't seem to matter what the person does for uh, that money so is there an argument that the allowance should be dependent on what the person actually does and how would this be measured who would measure it and what would this cause in the school i'm just asking those questions because I, I, they kind of frighten me as i'm asking them and are they even worth the amount of work required by them they don't appear to have risen in a very long time anyway and i think a lot of people are uh, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying they wouldn't bother going for a, a post responsibility anymore in schools because it's after tax it's kind of hardly worth their while that says um that's that's quite a disappointing thing to hear not not i'm not i don't blame the people for being for, uh, for for that at all um because the amount of work that's expected for a promoted post um needs to be um compensated properly and uh, at the moment that doesn't seem to be the case and uh, you can't blame people for um not wishing to um you know use their time um or spend their time doing something that isn't compensated uh, fairly um Lastly, uh, in this podcast, I'm going to look at principals and deputy principals because, of course, they also uh, get an allowance for being in their positions. And I also think we need to revisit the allowances for them. Um, firstly, we need to ensure, I mean, we're talking about pay equality and, uh, and stopping this two-tier pay system. We have to get benchmarking uh, for principals. This was promised a decade ago, over a decade ago, and still hasn't come and isn't on any of the priorities uh, from our um, our union which um, and secondly we basically need to ensure that they are um, equal to second level principals it is amazing that um, primary school principals are paid less than second level principals and for no reason really I mean the job is about managing people managing educational institutions and I I, 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 I can't understand how um, a primary school and a secondary school teacher are paid um, differently um, for the jobs they do they're very very similar it's not like they're completely different jobs um but anyway that that is um uh, another another day's work and um, one also has uh, to ask the question as to whether uh, the principal or the deputy principal should even be an allowance or a job in its own right so at the moment it's an exit top up let's say on your salary um but should it actually have its own separate pay scale um I, I don't know should the jobs be an allowance um at all that's that's the question i'm asking and is it fair that the size of the school is proportional to the size of the wage that's another question i'm asking and why do teaching principals get a lower allowance than administrative principals i find that very odd i have to say i mean the teaching principal job everybody knows that a teaching principal job is almost impossible and to add insult to injury they're paid less than an administrative principal, which is which is a very odd thing. So shouldn't principals be getting the same allowance? Uh, that's another question. Should they be getting another uh, the same allowance? If you work in a two-teacher school as opposed to a 20-teacher school, should you be getting more for the 20-teacher school than the two-teacher school? I, I don't know. I guess one has to account um, for the amount of work that's there. I, I don't know. Has it really ever been properly measured? Um, and I, I don't know if it really has. Uh, that's, that's kind of the question I'd be saying. Um, I suppose uh, if we are going to 
change the way we do things we have to account for a few things we have to account for years of service as a teacher and then as a principal so ultimately if we were going to replace the allowance with the pay scale we it might be difficult right because now at the moment it's years of service plus the size of the school that gets you your principal um, or deputy principal is there a better way i don't know personally i think the principal allowance should be higher for teaching principals um and easily um, the same as what an eight teacher school uh, admin principal should be. I don't. I don't think this, there's. A, I don't think it's right. Um, you know, it's it's not a huge amount. In fairness, um, to to make a two teacher school principal have the same wage as an eight teacher school principal, it's about three thousand euro, and I think it'd be a very fair gesture and a very cheap gesture. However, there are more questions to be asked about the allowance for the size of the school. The allowance only covers teachers in the school, for example, so it doesn't cover other staff. For example, I'll give you my example. I'm recording, as I'm recording this podcast, it's 2019, I have 23 teachers in my school, so I'm paid an allowance of 21,386 euro for um, managing uh, 23 teachers. However, if I actually included all the other people in my school that work here, that's the secretary, caretaker, SNAs, bus escorts, and, and so on, the figure actually goes up to 39 staff, which should basically give me the highest allowance of over 36,000 euro. And it's a huge gap. That's nearly, that's 15,000 euro I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm not getting, <laughs> let's say, for a, a year. That's a huge amount. However, this is worse than special schools. Forget me. This is ha, Have a look at a special school scenario. I've spoken to loads of them. And there's principals getting paid for maybe eight teachers. Let's say they have an eight-teacher school. But they could have over 50 staff when you include SNAs, escorts, nurses, and all sorts of stuff. All of them have to be managed. And so how should this all work? So they're getting paid. I mean, they must be down tens of thousands of euro a year um, and, and all the management that they have to do. So should there simply be an average principal and deputy principal allowance no matter what size the school is? And should there be some sort of system to allow for all staff, not just teachers? I definitely think something like this has to happen. Um, we are, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I mean, obviously the government aren't going to be looking to do anything here, but surely uh, the union need to be looking at this uh, issue and saying that principals need to be compensated for all the staff they manage, not just the teachers. Look, it's a short podcast uh, this week and overall I feel, I hope I've given you some questions about pay scales in our jobs. It seems we aren't too different to our friends in nursing and the guardie in terms of points of scale than in terms of how many there are. However, it's really in the allowances, which I think in most cases uh, are the little things that make the differences. And they all seem rather arbitrary. I, I, when I was listening at those figures, they seem very, they seem to be pulled out of nowhere, to be honest with you. I do think there is an argument for lessening the number of points in the scale and um, perhaps points one to five um, so people can start in a particular point so you could you could have one two three four and five but after that maybe an increment after five years so every five years you might get an increment i know it's controversial to say that uh, to say this but i also think increments should be linked to doing further education or professional development so i would suggest something decent is plugged into that uh, and that should be provided to all teachers i think it would be no harm looking at the times of the year for uh, further training and giving teachers the opportunity uh, to upskill and in return get rewarded for that. Look, um, times uh, the times for these kind of courses could be in the evenings. Uh, we have evening courses throughout the year, spring courses, autumn courses, um, even during the summer. And EPV days and pay could easily be the reward for doing these courses. However, I believe this should be optional. I always think that if you want to incentivize something, it should be optional. You don't have to do these things. And every, every year, 
one uh, anyone who successfully completes a course or a module of series of ct they might be rewarded with some level of points to go towards going up the increment ladder i don't know um i know i'm again <laughs> moving into these dangerous uh, into dangerous waters here that i know a lot of teachers don't agree with i just think it's something something worth putting out there i don't really think it's right simply surviving in a school from year to year warrants an increment in in, in wages again that may be very controversial to say but i think it's worth putting it out there it's probably another uh, it's probably a discussion for another episode anyway and i'm fairly sure when kusan starts to rear its head again i'll be doing a podcast on it Next week, I'm going to be looking at Croke Park hours and wonder if eking that extra hour a week out of us has worked at all. As always, thank you so much for listening to this shorter podcast uh, on pay scales. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you are using, whether that's Spotify or iTunes or any of the others. And uh, please uh, leave a review, subscribe, um, get, uh, tell your friends about it. And until next time, uh, we'll see you next Wednesday morning uh, for another episode. Take care and talk to you then. Thanks a million.